Well, today is week one of what we call here at PCBW our fall focus. And this is a time where we focus on a particular theme and do so in three different ways. Uh, by studying in small groups, by reading a book, uh, and by uh, our sermons here on Sunday morning. This year, our theme is uh, called Love Does, uh, named after a book by Bob Goff. By the way, uh, we sold out over 100 of those books, but we ordered 25 more. So if you haven't got yours yet, you can get them. We, we got them at, at a deal, so we're giving them to you for five bucks. So if you need one, please get them. Also, if you're in a small group, and uh, there's a study guide that goes with it. Uh, make sure you pick one of those up as well. Uh, so here on Sunday mornings, uh, we're going to be looking at this theme of love doves by looking at characteristics that you're going to read about in this man named Bob Goff's life. Uh, we're going to look at character characteristics like love says yes, love goes all in. And today what we want to look at is this idea that love celebrates by uh, calling uh, this sermon love is a party thus the balloons that you see here you'll also see balloons on Goff's book Jesus describes uh, this celebration kind of life like this this is Luke chapter 14 starting at verse 16 Jesus replied a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests at the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to those who had already been invited. Come, for everything is ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. And another said, I just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. So the master came back and reported, so the servant came back and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and make them, and, and make them come in so that my house may be filled. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Let's pray. Lord, I, I would pray that uh, we would hear from you today and hear encouragement in terms of what it means to live for you. So work through our reflection. To that end, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this summer, uh, Beth and I were offered tickets to the Beatles tribute concert held on the lawn at Sun Valley. Now, I didn't really know what to expect, and frankly, I had kind of low expectations, but I was wrong. We had a blast there. Not only was the band great, uh, playing and singing with uh, lots of energy, but they did so in character. Uh, they brought the 1960s Beatles to life there on the lawn in Sun Valley. And it showed, by the way, in the response of the audience. People were singing along, clapping. Uh, everyone was on their feet, dancing exuberantly, younger and older alike, including some of you. I saw you out there, <laughs> including me as well, well, at least part of the time. Everyone that was there was enjoying themselves immensely, everyone that is, except for one man. 
A man who was sitting behind us in his lawn chair with an angry, unhappy face, hands over his ears, literally sitting like that for the entire concert. Now, the contrast couldn't have been more striking. All around him were people dancing and singing, clapping, celebrating. And then there was this one man who exuded, don't even try to make me smile. Now, I describe what I saw, not to judge this person, really. There may have been a number of reasons behind his demeanor. But I bring it up because when I saw him, this thought came to my mind. When people today think of us as Christians, which is more like what people think of? A dancing celebration or fingers over the ear frowners? We all know the truth, don't we? We as Christians don't really have a reputation for being the most upbeat of people. Uh, Supreme Court Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes once, asked, once said, when asked whether he had considered a different career, answered this way, I might have entered the ministry if certain clergymen I know had not looked and acted so much like undertakers. Ouch. And while perhaps not fair really to undertakers and while as a clergy person I take offense to that, it really is the predominant image of Christians today of less than happy people whose life goal seems to be to make others as unhappy as they are. Overstated, I know, but to the point. And while it is not really fair, there really is truth in it, isn't there? That Christianity has earned this reputation by the way some have acted which is really a shame because Jesus tells us something very different in our text today. In it, Jesus is talking about this thing called the kingdom of God, which, as you've heard me say many times, is not about a place, but about making Jesus one's king. So when you hear the phrase kingdom of God, you can think living with Jesus as king. And Jesus says something really interesting about what it is to live with him as king. He says that it is like a party. Here's how he puts it. A certain man, which he said the kingdom of God is like, was preparing a great banquet. Now, hear Jesus' words carefully. Not a little banquet, not a generic pasta salads in a buffet line kind of banquet. Jesus calls it a great banquet, a great banquet pointing uh, towards something huge, big, a once-in-a-lifetime kind of celebration. Think a Prince Harry and Meghan Markle kind of event. This is more of what Jesus is describing. And this banquet imagery is used all throughout the Scripture. The book of Revelation talks about a great wedding feast of the Lamb. In the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah talked about a day when the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine. Did you hear that? Rich food, well-aged wine. Well, since I'm not a wine drinker, I relate best to the food reference. What is the kingdom of God like, according to Jesus? I picture it, with apologies to my vegan friends here, as a perfectly aged prime filet. And if you're not uh, a meat eater, perhaps uh, uh, this image will help you. There's a Food Network show I sometimes watch, which is called The Best Thing I Ever Ate. 
That's what this kingdom feast is like. This is what it's like to be part of the kingdom of God, what it's like to follow Jesus as king. When we look at Jesus' life, one of the things we see is that uh, this kind of concept was more than a concept for him, but was something that he actually lived. He lived a life of celebration, which is why people were drawn to him wherever he went. There were crowds that came to him, especially those looked down upon by others, folks like prostitutes and tax collectors and others labeled by the religious of the day as sinners. Jesus celebrated with them by feasting with them, so much so that Jesus was criticized for being what people who were criticizing him called uh, being a drunkard and a glutton. Now, none of this means, of course, that Jesus is saying following him means indulging in self, uh, in overindulgent excess. Nor does it mean that we will always experience joy and never hurt or pain. For unfortunately, those things are part of what it means to live in a broken, sin-infected world. Instead, the imagery here of feasting is meant to help us see how good it is for us to follow Jesus. To see the new quality of life that we can know in relationship with him. A life of meaning and purpose, of hope and of expectation, of peace, of fullness, of celebration, and yes, joy. C.S. Lewis describes this quality of life in this way, saying, I doubt whether anyone who has ever tasted it would ever exchange it for all the pleasures of the world. Blaise Pascal is one of history's greatest minds. His thinking uh, lay at the foundation uh, of all kinds of things, including modern mathematics, which to some of you might mean that he's not really a hero, but really he was a good person. I love what he writes about his experience with Jesus, something he wrote down on a piece of parchment and which was discovered eight years after his death. Here's what he wrote. Year of Grace, 1654, Monday, 23rd November, Feast of St. Clement, from about half past 10 at night to about a half an hour after midnight. Fire. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not of philosophers and scholars, certitude, heartfelt joy, peace, God of Jesus Christ, God of Jesus Christ, my God, my God, joy, joy, tears of joy, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, may I never be separated from him. This is the great banquet kind of life that Jesus describes. Passion, emotion, celebration, joy. This leads me to a second thing I want us to discern from Jesus' parable. That we can begin to discern, or excuse me, experience this kind of life in the present, but we do so not by earning but by invitation. Here's what I mean. Consider the already referenced wedding of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, uh, which had all kinds of celebrity people there, by the way. Oprah, Elton John, David Beckham, Serena Williams, George Clooney, and on and on. Now, 
suppose I had decided, you know, that wedding, that sounds like kind of like fun. I think I'll go to England and go. So I get on a plane and make my way to the wedding celebration. What would have happened? Of course, I'd been turned away. And if I'd said, well, you know, I'm a good person and certainly more moral than many of these other guests. In fact, I'm a pastor. What would have happened? Still been turned away. And if I'd persisted, I'd have been arrested. <laughs> now, why? Because I wasn't on the guest list. And being on the list was necessary to come to the banquet. And in Jesus' parable, the master also had a guest list for his great banquet, which we see in his sending out his servant to those who had been invited. Now, here's my point. Jesus says that we can come to this kingdom party, know the life that comes from living with Jesus as our king, not because of how good we are, not because of how moral we are, or how much we have our lives together. We can come simply because we are invited by the master. Which we see even more clearly at the end of Jesus' parable when the master dramatically extends the guest list. Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. So the servant, uh, sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still room. So the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in so my house will be filled. In contrast to those who would have normally been invited to such a grand banquet, this party is open to all kinds of people. The disadvantaged, the poor, the sick, the disabled. It even extends to those on the roads and the country lanes, a, a reference here to travelers and foreigners. In fact, by the end of Jesus' parable, it appears that the guest list has been extended so broadly that it will include anyone willing to come. In other words, the invitation is to all. No matter who we are, no matter what it is that we might have done, here's the message of the parable, the message of the gospel. Jesus wants you at his party. He invites you to his party. It is all prepared, Jesus says. Everything's ready. He has done everything needed in order for you to have a personal invitation. So come, he says. Which is why what Jesus says next is so important. He says that we experience this life, this banquet-like life, when we stop making excuses regarding following Jesus. For note what we hear from those who were invited uh, in Jesus' parable. They all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and, on, and I'm on my way to try them out. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. Then the owner of the house became angry. Now, what we need to know that not only are these called excuses in the parable, but that in reality, they are culturally lame excuses. <laughs> I have bought a field and need to go see it. I bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. As if a person in that day 
or any day would buy property sight unseen. Wouldn't happen then or now. Or I just got married and I, so I can't come. As if most wives wouldn't want to come to the party of the century. You see, culturally, these weren't good reasons for not coming. They were just silly excuses. My dog ate my homework type of excuses. What Jesus is trying to help us to see is this. That he has come so that we might have this abundant life that's like a great banquet. And he's already done everything needed for us so that we can come into this party. We have a personal invitation. But that often we say things like this. Let me finish this project first. Let me graduate first. Let me uh, uh, come to you after I get this promotion when I retire. What Jesus is trying to show us is that these two, when compared to the fabulousness of the invitation, are also, well, lame excuses as well. So, our theme in this series is love does. And so given this, what should we be doing given what Jesus has taught us? This week, let's focus on doing these two things. Let's start with this. Let's start by joining the party by coming to Jesus. You see, Jesus' parable is more than a story. It is for each of us a personal invitation. Come into my party, Jesus says to each one of us. I want you there. I, I, I want you here. I want you with me. Come on in by coming to me. Come so that you can find life as with the greatest of feasts. Come so that your deepest longings can be filled. Come so who you've always wanted to be and might not have even known it can be discovered. Come and find comfort and peace and acceptance. Come and be engulfed by a love that will never let you go. Come join the party by coming to Jesus. Seek to make him the center of your life so you can begin to know this fullness of life that he desires for you. And then, because of this, let's also do this. Let's celebrate because of Jesus. Because of what God has done for us and in us, because of the life that we have been given, because of the joy that we've found, let's make it an effort Let's make an effort to express it in our lives. I love uh, how the Apostle Paul puts it in his letter to the Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. And I love even more the message translation of this verse, which goes like this. Celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in him. Isn't that great? Revel in him? The problem is, as we are aware and have already said, Christians in general and Presbyterians in particular are not known for being big revelers. You know well, right? The name for us Presbyterians. God's frozen chosen. (laughs) 
Instead, let's live differently. Think of it this way. My former pastor, Bruce Larson, writes about a renewal conference that he led at a very large Presbyterian church. He wanted to help these Presbyterians be able to become more celebrating, to celebrate more, to be more expressive. And since uh, they weren't known for shouting praise the Lord or raising their hands in praise, he gave each one a helium balloon as they came in uh, during the service, uh, like those in front of you here, and told them during the service to release it when something in the service brought them joy as a visible way of expressing it. And by the way, we thought of doing this, uh, but we're told that these balloons might set off our fire alarm system. <laughs> so we decided just to have them up front. At any rate, throughout the service, people were blessed when others around them let go of their balloons and they flew up to the ceilings as expressions of praise. That's what celebration does. It blesses the one celebrating, but also blesses those around them as well. But there was something else that happened during the service. Something that Bruce noticed, which in many ways is kind of sad. At the end of the service, a full third of the people in the pews were still holding tightly to their balloons. Friends, God desires something very different for us. For example, notice what God says to his people regarding a feast day in the book of Deuteronomy. He says, use silver to buy whatever you like, cattle, sheep, wine, or other fermented drink, and anything you wish. Then you and your household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice. Did you hear that? Buy whatever you want, cattle, sheep, wine, or fermented drink? Yes. Now, it's important to say here that God is not advocating irresponsible materialism, nor justifying unhealthy eating, nor minimizing the problems of substance abuse. No. What God is doing is this. He's giving his people permission to do something, to live it up. The message here isn't, it's okay to be irresponsible. No, the message is celebrate. Let go of your balloons. In the book you're going to read by Bob Goff, you're going to read about a man who embraces a balloon-releasing lifestyle. His is one that expresses joy on a regular basis, celebrates life. We'll see it in the way he lives. He exudes joy. You'll read about Goff uh, meeting his clients at what he calls his second office uh, for his law firm, Tom Sawyer Island uh, at Disneyland. You'll hear him uh, tell a story about allowing a total stranger to use his boat in order, to, in order so that person could propose. You'll read about sending flowers to the person who smashed his favorite car even when it was her fault. And what you'll see is that in his life, it is all because Jesus is so real to him. He has learned to celebrate God, to revel in him, to cut loose, to let go of his balloons. Can you imagine what it would be like if we did 
If we were people who were willing to let go of our balloons a little more, a little more often, if we express joy in the way we live, imagine what that might do in our own lives. Imagine what it would do in our community. Friends, the kingdom of God is like a party. Wonderful, joyful, comes by grace, is open to all. So let's be careful not to avoid it, but to say yes to Jesus' invitation. And because of what he has done for us, celebrate. That's pretty good.